0: I haven't had Memphis. Once, Avenue Q. Hamilton.
1: A strange re Hello and thank you for listening to Next Best Feeler, a branch of the Next Best Picture Podcast Umbrella. And we are here today to talk about the works of Howard Ashman on occasion of the live action remake of *The Little Mermaid, which of course the original version of the 1980s was lyrics and all sorts of other additions from Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman was a lyricist who worked with mostly Alan Menken, of course, of Disney theme on both Little Shop of Horrors and a trio of animated musicals in the 80s and 90s, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. And we are going to talk about those shows and movies today. Here to discuss with me, I have Dan Baer.
2: Hello, little town full of little people.
1: Thank you. Okay, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad somebody did something. <laughs> and Lauren LaMagna. Hello. So just to do a little intro in the works of Howard Ashman, he was, of course, best known for his work with Disney, and with those three movies, he netted seven Oscar nominations and two wins, and notably, four of those nominations were posthumous, which is a record in Oscar history. Of course, he passed away at the young age of 40 due to complications with AIDS, and he was in the middle of working on both Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin at the time. So a lot of the success and the accolades that came with those films, he was not there to see, which is unfortunate, but you know, his work lives on. Clearly decades after the fact. Just to give a little overview of his work before he got wrapped up in the you know house and mouse as it were, he did some early work with a theater company that he helped found called the WPA Theater, which is a teeny tiny little off off Broadway theater somewhere down in like lower Fifth Avenue. <laughs> and there he met Alan Mencken, who would go on to be his collaborator for many a year afterwards. They worked together on a nineteen seventy-nine musical called God Bless You Mr. Rosewater, which is a Based on a Kurt Vonnegut story. And that was, you know, ostensibly a hit enough for them to get some clouts. And next thing they did was Little Shop of Horrors, which we're going to talk about now. So, Little Shop of Horrors, of course, was a, again, it started off, off Broadway at the WPA Theater before it started really getting some strong word of mouth and moved off Broadway to the Orpheum Theater in the East Village, where it played for over five years, which is pretty crazy long for both off-Broadway theater and just musical theater in the 80s, which was famously a really rough period for the art form on Broadway and elsewhere. I feel like this is one of those perfect texts of musical theater. I feel like there's very little fat on the bone. I think the fact that it comes from such an unlikely source gave them kind of carte blanche and free range do whatever they wanted It's of course based on a roger corman b movie from the 60s that was filmed in two days as a bet or a joke so it's you know one of the more unlikely sources of uh, inspiration for a musical in history but it i think it totally works uh what do you guys think of Little Shop of horrors i want to hear your thoughts
2: everything that you said cody (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
2: literally i think it i was listening to it today over and over and over again because it is one of the catchiest scores i think maybe ever written Mm. it's kind of insane there is something about the completeness of it every song feels like the perfect version of itself in a way that not every musical is although you would think they would
1: be Right. I mean, it made a really smart choice, and I believe it was Howard Ashman's idea to make it kind of like a darker version of Grease in style. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. darker in like content. I mean, obviously, it's about a man-eating plant, and there's murders and blood and dismemberment, but it is screamingly funny. And Howard Ashman not only did the lyrics, he also wrote the book and directed the show. So it really was labor of love for him. Lauren, do you have any, uh, yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts on that? I job?
3: think the show is ridiculous, and it has absolutely no right to be as good as it is. Like when you just think about the story of Little Shop and how it became this fantastic, crazy, cult-like show and then film that kind of resembles something close to Rocky Horror. I also feel like it's kind of like a rite of passage as a theater kid to do a really weird, abridged version of Little Shop where no child knows what the show is about and just see us all freak out about this weird big plant type prop that we all have to use. So that's like a fun memory that I have trying to understand what this show is. But I think it's so funny and interesting and so original that like you don't see shows like this. And again, from coming from such a weird source material for it to actually work, like how does someone watch that film and think, yeah, this could be a really good, successful satire of a musical? And I just think that's hysterical. And I love how the show kind of makes fun of Broadway and the musical theater. You know, all of the songs kind of are a joke in and of itself, and it just works for some reason. And it is this lightning in a bottle. Type of piece that's just again, I think it's ridiculous. It shouldn't be as good as it is, but it just is.
1: Low budget Audrey Twos are up there with low budget Milky Lights and beasts mm-hmm. from yeah. the geese from And sure. it's like a rite of passage, like those
3: regional, like <laughs> weird versions of Little Shop. It.
1: Right, where you're like, yeah. I don't think that's a plant, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that the show is just. I, I keep saying how odd it is that it totally works based on the source material, but it does, and it's yeah. not just. A funny show for the sake of being funny. You know, it's not just ridiculous because it's crazy that we're doing a musical based on this like stupid sci-fi movie that nobody saw. It is weirdly functioning as a parable for greed. Mm-hmm. The thing about Howard Ashman's works throughout these these four major works is that he instills them with I don't want to say like a lesson or political subtext because a lot of them are dealing with children's properties, but he injects it with a level of reality that is far from what you might expect given the fantastical beats of the story. You know, these are movies about mermaids and genies and wishes and magic plants and all sorts of crazy stuff. But there's always a thread of humanity, and specifically empathy, which are really come to play in his Disney works that runs throughout his pieces.
2: Yeah, and I think the other thing that really ties them together is sort of this, like, almost pastiche classic broadway show tune sound Mm -hmm. to all of these works pastiche has kind of like gotten a bad rap over the years i feel like but it's really difficult to do well and you see him doing this every single time in every score that we have from him across these four each song you can identify the things that it's riffing off of or the things that it sounds like but it sounds also completely of itself
3: and I think the stories in and of itself are rather simple ones which allow the songs to really shine like all four of these pieces of works like if you want to define them they're musicals I think which I think really does allow Ashman, as a lyricist, to really get specific and really show his talent in songwriting, essentially, because we have these simple, broad stories to allow these songs to really advance the plot and be really specific about what's happening during the song, what the characters want during the song and what they're going to do during the song. And I think that's deliberate, especially in the Disney movies, but also in with Little Shop, where the main focus and the stars are, you know, the songs and what the characters are singing.
1: Right. And it would go on to be adapted into a movie on its own rights, directed by Frank Oz, which was released in nineteen eighty six. And Howard Ashman wrote the screenplay. So it really maintains a truth in terms of the ethos of the production. It really just you know sticks to the heart and soul of that little tiny off-Broadway show. It doesn't really outsize itself. I mean, there's, you know, huge sets and stuff and the ending has changed, which I think is unfortunate and I think he would probably agree is unfortunate. But I think it's still a pretty solid adaptation of the musical. Plus, we get to solidify Ellen Green's performance on film, which is beyond important. That
2: is so so important to the culture that, like, it had to happen and I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that it did, if only for that. Except for the end. It's a, like, near-perfect adaptation of the musical, which is so annoying because it was was so easy to just do the same ending. And I know it didn't test well, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. The new ending did test well? Like, really? It's very confusing because, especially because of his involvement in it, I think, because it, it has that creative the creative spark from the off-Broadway production and everything completely intact. Then you get to the ending, and it's like, oh, womp, womp.
1: Right, thankfully, the original ending, which is closer to the stage production, which is a yeah. shockingly not downer, because it's still, you know, peppy and upbeat in musical theater, but it's <laughs> very, yeah, really, exactly. like, oh boy, the, the, the villain wins in this musical, which is really rare. And there is a restructured director's cut that maintains that, thank God. I think especially solidifying Amber, Ellen Green's performance is why I value the movie the most. I think she's incredible, just in general, but her creation of this character and the way that the character is written in the original Corm movie is completely different. She is not this kind of, like, <laughs> yeah. Marilyn Monroe by way of New Jersey kind of <laughs> character. The way she is turned into in the musical is, sorry, something only a gay man could come up with, like Howard Ashman. <laughs> Campy. She's got this crazy voice and she you know when she has her arm in a sling, it's like a leopard prince sling. Just things like that it's that are so just crazy. perfect. <laughs> yes. And she's incredible. It's it's just one of the best performances in musical theater history. Before we move on, does anybody have any favorite songs or even better lyrics from Little Shop they wanna highlight? Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of episode 51 of the Next Best Theater Podcast, part of the Next Best Picture Podcast Umbrella. In order to get the full-length episode, you will have to head on over to Next Best Picture's Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this episode and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Theater Podcast, part of the Next Best Picture Podcast Umbrella, and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we will see you all next time.